0: Tradition in some churches. Um, do you not do it any anymore here? or sorta? a little bit yes, still, here. still here. okay, but and we did it out at Harvey Oaks and a lot of churches do it. But whether you do those traditions and the readings and things like that, it still reinforces that spirit of expectation of the Savior's coming. We know He's come already. Now we have the second advent to look forward to. But it's good to go back and walk through that again because it was expected for centuries. God predicted it even in the Garden of Eden still, right after Adam and Eve sinned, He he gave that first preview of what was to come, though nobody understood it then, I'm sure. And then there's more previews that came all along the way. I want to spend a little time together thinking about one of those that came along the way. And right here, in the Scripture before us, Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Now the birth of Let's ask the Lord's help. Now, Father, this is your word, and we want you to have your way in every heart and mind here so that what is spoken, what is heard and applied will be according to your holy will who gave us our Savior, Emmanuel. Amen. Has anyone ever wondered when they've read that passage, and I suppose anybody who's read much of the Bible as all, has read that part of Matthew chapter one a number of times. "You shall call His name Jesus." If you took that word, that name apart, it would be "Jehovah saves." Yahweh saves. God is our salvation." That makes sense, even though there were other Jesus'es, if you translate it that way in the in the Old Testament it would be Yeshua well there was other Yeshua's there was the one that took over from Moses and took them into the promised land but this Yeshua delivered in a much bigger way but why then does Matthew go on to say well this fulfilled the prophet from he didn't say Isaiah but from the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 they shall call his name Emmanuel, Jesus, Emmanuel. How do those go together? You ever wondered? I mean, there is an explanation for that. And the explanation is that it goes back to a promise. God's promise first came. It was given by a prophet Isaiah to one of the kings on David's throne there in the kingdom of Israel. The Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will be with child and bear a son. She will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Now that promise in its original form from Isaiah was intended for them. At that time, it meant deliverance from enemies. But now it means deliverance for all people from the greatest enemy of our souls, Satan, and from our sins. It is a promise that is still intended for us. He was named Jesus because that shows that God's provision of salvation was going to come in a personal way. He would do it. Not simply command from heaven the way He did miracles in the Old Testament, but He would be here and to personally undertake the work of salvation for us, dying for each one of us on the cross. He came to save as God with us. And that's the connection to that promise from Isaiah. It would be not merely God over us, like in the Old Testament, not merely God speaking toward us, not merely God doing wondrous words around us, but God with us. God investing himself with us, present in a very real way. And right here, you separate Christianity from every other world religion of any, any kind. Even the Old Testament with its law speaking down rules and prophecies and things like that, that was more God at a distance, in a way, than God with us. There is no parallel in any other religion in the world where their God, whoever they are, whoever he is, she is, whatever, comes to be with us. Because only our God could do that. All the others are just names and people and memories and prophets and you know, just stuff that we invite and make up. Only God could do this and be with us. So, before we go on, the first of a few questions to ask. Are we living like God is with us in every moment, in every choice, in every interaction with others it's one thing to say this that god is with us and he is he promised i will never leave or ever forsake you wonderful promise first spoken to joshua in the old testament but how would our life be different if for instance we could see jesus watching us how many people speed when the police car is right behind them not many not many no 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 Although, once my speedometer wasn't working and I was so silly as to creep around the policeman because I didn't think I was going that fast. Well, he did. And so he gave me a little parting memento to take with me to, to honor that moment. Yeah. Rather silly. But what would we do if, if we could see Jesus watching us, like on the job? I, I rather think we would be more careful with our words, wouldn't we? We would guard, our. we're told actually to do that, right? Stand guard over your heart, be careful about your words. Well, knowing that God is with us would certainly mean that we ought to do that. We might watch over our reactions to negative things. You know, the things, knee jerks, things that just kind of come out before you're ready. You know, the hammer on the thumb kind of stuff. That just whatever's inside tends to come out at that moment, doesn't it? I think I'd be more careful if I saw Jesus watching me. But He is. Makes me wonder why I'm not more careful, huh? Maybe it's because I don't consciously live like He is with me. With me. That promise was the first thing spoken, and that is in the spirit of Advent and expectation. But that promise brought His presence... His presence. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14. John puts this promise in a very personal way which the disciples would personally experience. John 1:14, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now John, by the time he's writing that, He's looking back upon this. We beheld his glory as you walk through the Gospels, even in John, much less the other three. You see that, well, let's say the disciples needed to sort of get used to the idea of what it meant having the Son of God with them. That's not something they got into very readily it, it, in some cases, it seems like what they were most interested in is, Lord, <clears throat> don't mean to bug you. I know I've asked, but is it time for the kingdom? They were really fixed on, on that, all the way up to his, almost his ascension. It took them a while, but they did get to that point that they knew he had been sent from the Father. They knew he was the Lord's anointed. And yet, even in those last days, even in John chapter 14, we read that Philip said, Oh, it's Jesus, it's enough. You know, just show us the Father. And Jesus looks at him, Philip, how long have I been with you? He who has seen me has seen the Father. I am with you. Jesus was God with them. Now, I guess you do, even when you're those guys, you don't normally expect that. You don't think, oh, no problem, God is with us. It's, it took some getting used to. Everything, in fact, we need to know about the character of God, we see in Jesus. His compassion, His love, His mercy, His strength, His indignation, His holiness, everything is right there because that is God with us but then he completed his mission and he said before I go I want to tell you it's good for you that I go because I'm going to send you another what? comforter, counselor, advocate says one translation There's nobody seems to be agreed what to do with that word and we don't want to just go around using Greek words like paraclete sounds too much like parakeet I uh, know um, but it's, it's a word, if Chris was right here and I went over here and put my arm around his shoulder and stood next to him, it's that word. Now, what I do when I'm standing next to him, that could go a number of directions from encouragement, uh, pat on the back, a slap farther down, uh, you know, encouragement, exhortation, counseling, uh, and anything like that, even an advocate to stand with him that's the Holy Spirit that's God with us now in the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit came and for all who are believers in Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit is there as Jesus said to them he is with you and will be in you in you that's an amazing thing that's the whole Christian life and it and it's not just a, a part of that, for some, maybe not for others, one of the first Bible verses I read that really shook me to the core and made me realize that I was not as close to God or even in the running as I might have thought was in Romans chapter 8. that said, if, no, if a man does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Whoa. I didn't know what really what that meant, honestly, but I knew it wasn't me. I knew it was not me. God graciously began to open my eyes. God with us now in the person of the Spirit of Christ. That's what it's about. Are we living like God is with us? Personally, full time. Are we living like He's there And desiring. God wants to spend time with us. He came to be in us, not merely to uh, sort of hide in the background and say, "Uh, are you sure you want to go through with this? Better think twice. No, come on. You know, not just that kind of voice in the background, not the little angel on one shoulder, the devil on the other, like in cartoons. No. He wants to be with us and share His life, His power, His glory, His holiness with us. Would our life be different if we valued knowing him the way he values knowing us? I think if we were, there's a number of ways it would do, besides being cautious and careful, uh, but that, you know, that's kind of childish. Children are always pretty careful when parents are around, aren't they? More or less. Uh, but you, know, when parents aren't, then, you know, other things tend to happen. No, we don't want to behave around him just, just like that. We'll be good as long as we know he's there. But I think if we were to live like it was important to me, like it's important to him, I, I think it would affect my prayer life. I think my prayers would become more focused, earnest, real. I mean, there, it's good to share prayer requests. It's good to pray for one another. That's, that's fine. But you, you understand that there's more to prayer than that. When we pray to our Father, there is more than bringing our list with us. Okay, I, I think I've about covered it all. Okay, thank you, Lord. Amen. On we go. No, there's, more, there's much more to that. He is our dearest friend, our Savior. He is the one who is with us to save. Share our hearts, our lives, our thoughts, our fears. Intimate Fellowship. That's a relationship. Can you imagine what my marriage would be like if all I said to her was, What time, supper? What are you serving? Okay, good. Thank you. I'll, I'll be back then. That would not work. Women have this odd idea about a marriage that they want to be kind of interlocked in intimate fellowship and friendship. Did I get that right? Yes, I did. Yes, that's right. She does want that, doesn't she? And wise is the man who knows that going in, but I didn't. It took me a while to get used to that. But God certainly does. That's a big deal. That's, why, that's one of the reasons He is with us is to be able to have that kind of a relationship, intimate and connected, not just you know, phoning it in. His presence then, based on His promise, then becomes the basis for our practice. Our practice. Paul made an amazing statement to the Galatians in chapter 2. He's talking about the old way of the law and the righteousness of the law of which there was none. It was not ever possible for someone to attain righteousness in God's sight by the works of the law. Why the law? because it was given to teach us the holiness of God, given to show us the righteous ways of God. It was not given to make us better or to make us more perfect. It can't do that. No law can do that. The speed limit signs cannot make you drive that speed, can they? No. They can't. They can't get inside of you. Only God can do that. So Paul says to the Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lived, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered Himself up for me. God with us in the Holy Spirit. Christ lives in me. Well, He lives in me to fulfill The works of the law in righteousness yes but he also lives in me to empower to do everything I I cannot do anything righteous apart from him I can't keep his word I can't obey him in my own strength only by Christ with me that is the fundamental difference between New Testament and old Old Testament was God over us God speaking from an on high. Once in a while showing up and doing a miracle. You know, somewhat sometimes extraordinary, like Elisha and Elijah. Most of the time, just not, not really there very much. Trusting them to obey, which they didn't do a lot of, or coming down and judging and punishing them because they didn't, those kinds of things. Off in the distance somewhere. Much more like, uh, let's... Forget who's president and who's not. A president sending out legislation from far off in Washington, D.C. that would impact all of us. We would never have to know him in any personal way. We would never have to meet him for that all to happen because all his minions would see to it that that got done. Well, maybe that's okay for human government because he's a man, he can't be everywhere at once. Our God can and is. And He wants to be in us. That's, that was the mystery, you might say, the unrevealed good news that Paul made it his personal ministry to bring to the churches. And he paid a dear price for it to, to tear people loose from this idea of a law of commandments written in stone that they had to obey to tell them, no, you are free now to walk in the Spirit of Jesus Christ you're free now to obey him in the heart because that's where he is he's leading you from within there's again no other religion that can parallel that they wouldn't dare they couldn't make it happen only God can do that only God can be with us Christ in you Paul tells to the Colossian church the hope of glory Oh, please. If, you're, if there's in any way you are still stuck in, I'm a Christian, that means I believe and I do. I believe what the Bible tells me. I believe what I was taught in Sunday school. I believe the creed and blah, 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 and I always will. And I do, therefore, I, don't, I do this and I don't do that. If there's anybody that's still stuck in that, please come out of the Old Testament and come into the New It's Christ in you. God is at work in you, he says to the Philippians chapter 2, to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's what it's all about. With you and in you. The Spirit of Christ wants to be in us and lead us to be in harmony with God. Do not be drunk with wine, he says to the Ephesians, but be filled with the Spirit. And goes on from there, singing to one another, uh, submitting yourselves to one another, giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God is eternal life in us. Stage one, the down payment. One day, personally present in heaven with our God, no need for a temple anymore. God is our temple, no need for any of these things we will be present. That's, I'm not even going to try to imagine that. That's all I can do. I can only imagine, I really. I'm not going to try to go beyond that because <clears throat> I would just put human things on that. It, all I know is it's going to be wonderful. The best thing about heaven? God is there. Personally. The best thing about the Christian life? God is here. Personally. God with us the hope of glory are we living that way are we living like god is with us i mean he is but sometimes it takes a while to penetrate the mind like that like it did the disciples they were a little slow on the uptake at times i'm gonna go be crucified and rise three days later oh okay did you get that what does that mean you know that, that it's a little slow and then when it happened. Even the faithful ones. Oh, Mary Magdalene says, what have they done with his body? Please tell me so I can bury him. You know, just, I understand. That was such an amazing fact of what he was going to do. Yes, it took them a while. Maybe it takes us a while to get a hold of this God with me fact. But how would our life be different if we lived that way? if we lived like this is, this is a real deal, like living and fellowshipping in His presence was the chief objective of our life. I'm not saying you shouldn't have any other chief objectives. Your work, your career, your home, your family, anything, your sports, whatever like that. Husker foot, well, forget that one. For, for this season anyway, you know. But number one, Seek first His kingdom and righteousness. In other words, seek Jesus. Walk with Him because He is with you. Make knowing Him and pleasing Him and, and growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I, I think if we lived that way, we would rethink all of our planning and our activities and our schedules and we would build it around his word and sitting not I don't mean just sitting in front of the Bible I mean sitting with the author of the Bible and recording all of that thoughts in that intimate fellowship the birth of our Savior was a long time coming uh, at least on man's schedule it, it, it came exactly at the right time in the fullness of times Paul would say and God dropped a little a lot of clues None of which were really picked up. I mean, even the angels, Peter says, didn't understand what was happening. Long, eager to look into what's happening down there, you know, in this plan of Jesus. But it was all prepared. And frankly, as an aside, that's still how God works. His plans for you and me, always very well prepared. He's thought it through. Nobody needs to wonder although we tend to, at any point along the way, I know you're God and everything, but could you please tell me what's going on here? Why are you doing this to me? No, we never do. Never need to do that. Because he always knows, and all we need to pray is, Father, thank you for being with me in the Holy Spirit. Your will be done. Amen. And that'll about sum it up, wouldn't it? He's always true to His promise. He has promised, I will always be with you. So then are we always with Him?